And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verse 21. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Heavenly Father, please bless and anoint my words to be true and useful and glorifying to you. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So on this, the eighth day of Christmas, the firstborn son of the Blessed Virgin Mary was given his name. In keeping with, at that point, Jewish and Roman customs had kind of synced up. That was when you gave the baby the name, and the name was Jesus. And the name is a name um, which you've probably heard the explication of before, but just in case you haven't, it's so rich, I can't pass by it. The name is the sort of Grecified version of the Hebrew name Yehoshua, which is a compound name with a meaning of Yahweh. You hear that? Yeah, Yahu. Yahu Shua saves. That's the verb to save in Hebrew. So Yahweh, the God who revealed himself to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, who revealed his holy name, Yahweh, to Moses, the God who made heavens and the earth in the beginning, that God is the one who will save you. That's what the name Yeshua, Jesus, means. And um, just as a sort of footnote trivia, because I feel like it's something which is sometimes goes left unexplained, um, very anciently, perhaps as old as the 3rd or 4th century, um, the name Jesus, all holy names, okay, we're really going to get dirty here for a second, in the um, ancient, oldest manuscripts of the scriptures, um, the name of God and the name of Jesus were considered to show reverence to them, you would write just the first letter and the last letter, and you put a little squiggly line on the top to say, this is, here's the name, and I've cut some letters out of the middle. And so you see sometimes it just looks like I and S, like Jesus for, for Jesus. And so what became sort of the oldest sort of monogram, I, I printed it on the back of your leaflet in a very decorative version with a cross also. But here it is, J-H-S or I-H-S. I and J is really the same letter. That's another boring Wikipedia page. But um, uh, this, is, this is the name of Jesus with the middle letters cut out uh, in the ancient way. So this is, when you see IHS or JHS, we have it non-coincidentally on a lot of the holy books. Right? It's the name of Jesus in a, in a contracted form. And I, I noticed that since we moved out here, that a lot of folks will put a monogram on the back of their car or something like that. So these, um, the contraction of a name is a, a more familiar concept to us down here in the South. So now, okay, nerdy footnote over. Um, having been given the name Jesus, there, there are now three right answers that the Bible provides um, to the question, what is the proper name of God? Right? So God revealed his name to Moses as Yahweh, sometimes spelled Jehovah, same thing. Um, now also the name Jesus, because Jesus says, if you've seen him, you've seen the Father. And only he who has the Son has the Father. So Jesus is the name for God. And then Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the name that Jesus told us to baptize Christians into. So those are the three answers. So what, what is the proper name of God? Well, there's three right answers. But in a way, the name Jesus sums them all up because it includes the name Yahweh, Yahashua, Jesus. And it points us to the revelation of God who is triune. Through the Son, we re- a Son has a Father. And we also recall his teaching of the Holy Spirit. So now there is this name, Jesus, the name by which we are saved. 
It's a recurring teaching throughout the New Testament. This is the name above all names. It's the highest name. And it's the only name by which salvation is found. So I want to unpack three arenas in which this name appears in our lives. Just comment on them briefly. Uh, The first is in discourse, conversation. The particular name Jesus and using his holy name busts apart a false notion that Christianity is um, merely a collection of ideas or concepts or rules for living because the name anchors on a person and that is exactly the point, that we are anchored to a person, the person, Christ Jesus. And so using his name concretely in conversation is a way of actually giving a more profound witness to those we're conversing with, whether they're non-Christians, in which case kind of introducing the concept, or just among fellow Christians, reminding ourselves that we aren't just followers of ideas. We follow a person, Jesus. And it's something I've noticed, and I wonder if you've noticed it too. I feel like in the secular world, there's a reasonable threshold of toleration for hearing the word God. I mean, it's on the money. You know, most mayors in most towns will use the word God in a prayer at the beginning of some event. Because it's sort of, the word God, while we Christians have a very, give it a very, understand it, have a very definite meaning to mean the identity of the one true God, the word itself is sort of morphable according to circumstance, right? Like people can kind of interpret it how they want, you know, whichever God it is, they think, you know, they just get attached to their own meanings. And so the word God doesn't sort of um, engage in the spiritual warfare against the world, the flesh, and the devil the way the name Jesus does. The world will tolerate the word God a little bit, quite a lot actually. Um, but they won't tolerate the word Jesus as much, nearly as much, because the name Jesus concretizes the claim that there is one God and he has a son and his son took on flesh and his name is Jesus. It's, the name itself presents the Christian witness as an exclusive claim. And the name Jesus is music in the ears of the saved uh, and nails on a chalkboard to those who are still yet lost. So I want to encourage you in discourse when speaking of holy things to not shy away from using the real name of our Savior, Jesus. Okay, that's one arena. The second is a private prayer. Um, the wonderful thing about the name Jesus in our private prayers, I mean, like, obviously we have our liturgical prayers, but then there's just the prayers we pray on our own, um, is we only use the name of someone who is present, right? If I'm in a room by myself and I'm just saying my wife's name, I, I would just be crazy. <laughs> when we say the name Jesus, we're acknowledging that he's present. We're not talking to a God who's far away. We're saying his name because he's here with us. God with us. And the name Jesus, um, it's not magic. Magic doesn't exist properly. Um, but there is something powerful in asserting the name by which we are saved, especially in moments of great temptation um, or great fear. This has been my experience and the experience of many, many Christians that when temptation feels just like a, that, like a crushing weight kind of coming at you to call out in prayer, not just, ah, oh, help me, but Jesus help me. There's a, it's like hearing it with your own ears from your own lips opens up again sort of the spiritual mind to, oh yeah, I'm looking for a concrete person, a personal savior from this temptation. And also in particularly afraid, I'm, I'm someone who's had a lot of 
um, nights with uh, horrifying dreams and terrors in the night, and um, to call out the name of Jesus in the midst of terror, uh, he always answers, responds to the call of his name and comforts in the midst of terror. So discourse, private prayer. Oh, one more thing on the terror. Um, It's really interesting how often in the scriptures strength uh, is ascribed not just to the Lord, although he is infinitely strong, but also to his name. So two scriptures in particular. Proverbs 18, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Not just the Lord is a strong tower, that's also theologically true, right? But the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the name of the Lord is Jesus. Jesus is Lord. So when we call out his name, we are running into that strong tower. Psalm 124, our help is in the name of the Lord. It would also be true if it said our help is in the Lord. But isn't it interesting that the scriptures sort of prophesy that there would be this great name. Our help is in the name of the Lord, Jesus. A personal hero of mine, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, um, says this, this name, Jesus, is the cure for all diseases of the soul. Are you troubled? Think but of Jesus. Speak but the name of Jesus. The clouds disperse and peace descends anew from heaven. The testimony of experience. Um, It's true too that the name Jesus is the foundation of prayer in time of distress, not just for terror or temptation. It's something that really struck me. If you ever walk in old graveyards, a lot of the things you'll see inscribed on the grave is, is um, Jesus mercy. Have you ever seen that on a grave? Jesus mercy. It's on a lot of old graves. Um, and I, it kind of, I was curious, like, why is that this recurring thing? And one of the things I've learned is that that has been the prayer of those who are in the pains of death for centuries. Because when you're too sick and in pain to pray anything else, all you can pray is Jesus mercy. It sort of is the very distilled fundament of prayer. Okay, so we've the name of Jesus in conversation, the name of Jesus in uh, private prayers. Lastly, I want to touch on the name of Jesus in public. Um, it's a name we hear so often dishonored, right? When you hear someone mad and they just exclaim the name of the Lord in just frustration. God forbid um, they call themselves a Christian. Um, but something I learned this week in preparing for this sermon is a practice I've not heard of until now, which I want to begin trying, which is to use the occasion of someone else's sort of momentary sacrilege as an occasion for my own devotion, to respond in my own heart, not to engage in any conflict or hypocrisy, but merely when you hear someone yell out the name of the Lord, to just say to you, pray silently in your own heart, blessed be the name of the Lord, to almost like repair that little stitch that was torn in the fabric of the world, I guess the name is being misused. No, blessed be the name of the Lord. I've probably mentioned to some of you that one of my life goals is to um, outdo Muslims in their devotion. Right? Their devo- devotion to a God falsely conceived and to a false prophet. And yet they're so earnest. Right? Any Muslim, you ever say the name of some of their false prophets and they'll always t- chime in, ah, blessed be his name. Bless-, you know, they're so reverential. And we Christians let then um, I'm not nearly so lovingly jealous for the name of the Lord. So anyways, that practice of blessed be the name of the Lord when heard, it used wrongly. Um, Also in, not just in the sort of uh, public sphere, but in public worship, 
Um, obviously, Jesus is named a bunch in the midst of our liturgy, which is um, really a great comfort in that it, the liturgy itself constantly is reorienting our attention, again, away from just laws or concepts that cannot save by themselves or even at all, but to our Lord Jesus who can because of his death and his resurrection. So um, blessed is the name of Jesus that actually when all our bishops got together in 1604, they actually prescribed like a devotional direction. It's in the canons of 1604. You can look it up. And they said, in the time of divine service, which is what they called church, the Lord, when the Lord Jesus shall be mentioned, due and lowly reverence shall be done by all persons present. And I love that idea of not letting the name Jesus pass through the air without in the heart just remembering, sort of savoring it a little bit. Um, and there was even a custom, and you may have even seen other Anglicans do this, upon hearing the name of Jesus, uh, to sometimes just nod the head a little bit, recognizing, yeah, he is present, and he's our Lord, and holy is his name. And this little act of devotion. If you've ever seen anyone in an in Anglican church just kind of seemingly like they have that, some little like crick in their neck, um, it's actually a, that person's just taking a moment to remember, oh yeah, that's the name of the Lord when they hear it. So for this week, at the head of this new year, January 1st, um, I just want to invite you um, into a deeper reverence and joy in the particular name of our Savior. However that might look, whether it's any of those practices I just described, or in any way, I'm not trying to prescribe new law, just merely to say, I hope you can find a deeper delight in his holy name this year. And I hope that in also delighting that you would um, lean on that name more profoundly, the only name by which we are saved, Jesus. Amen.